What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold, but the takes are hot. Today, we've got our first bit of 2023 NFL draft content for you guys. We're going to start off with our position rankings, starting out with wide receivers this time. Um, each going to give our top five. Also going to have, um, you know, the guys that we watch. So kind of a grouping of, you know, who are our next five guys or our next three or four guys and what we think the tier two is outside the top five. And then maybe some other guys we watch that maybe don't fit quite in that tier two. Um, like for me, I watch 13 players. I've got mine grouped of, you know, three guys outside the top 10, the next five up, and then I have my top five. Um, I know Brett did his evals a little bit differently than I did, um, which is great. I'm, I'm, you know, we've talked before. We watched a couple of different players than each other did. Um, I'm sure we'll have different top fives, you know, player-wise and rankings-wise, which is awesome. I think it's great to have different, you know, kind of perspectives on these guys and different players to watch. Um, certainly some guys that Brett watched that I haven't watched yet, but I'm going to, and vice versa. Um, then I'll kind of give a little bit of an overview on how I did my evals, and I'll let you kind of explain yours, then we can kind of get rolling on this. But um, kind of started off with um, – Got the player. I have their height, weight, uh, what their classification is, and they gave I gave them each a like one word um, description for each of these guys after I kind of finished up their pros and cons and, and kind of talking about them. Um, you know, I guess I'll give you an example. So Quentin Johnson, I gave him the word specimen, and I'll bring it up again later. But um, kind of just one word that I felt like some of these guys up really well um, and what their game was and kind of what they brought to the table. So um, that's kind of how I did it. Um, had a great time doing this. I'm really excited to get into the other you know position groups in this class. Um, I think this is a really unique group of receivers, so I'm really excited to get into this today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you mentioned you watched 13. I watched 12, 11 or 12. A um, couple guys that I really didn't watch much on that I just had to throw in there, Like even if I only watched a couple drives. So I like what I saw. Their stats lined up, and they, they're projected pretty well. And I just heard of them, seen stuff from them over the years. You know, all these guys are at least three years. Most of them are four years. Um, but, yeah, the way I did mine is I got 12 on here. I have two outside the top 10 that are, like, day three sleepers, I guess. And I could think have a big impact to the next level. And then I have my top 10. But six, seven, and eight, I have a lot, of, a lot more info than nine and 10. Because I think those three guys are, I guess, what's a way to put it? They're more. They're, I think they're just more interesting prospects. Um, while nine and ten are like high caliber players in big conferences, um, I just like you know six, seven, and eight are guys that might not be in big conferences, but what they bring to the table is special and it's more unique than what nine and ten bring. So that's how mine is. Uh, and then I have my top five for each guy. I have obviously. Their name and size, their hometown. I was going to put a uh, classification, but I did not uh, have their 2022 stats, strengths, weaknesses, where they're projected, and ideal fits. Just a couple teams that I think they could go to. I mean, really, ideal fits. I mean, if you're looking for a receiver, ideal fits. I mean, teams are going to be fit for more than one of these receivers. But I just mixed it up, putting a few different teams with different guys, and I think it could get really interesting. See how the draft ends up playing out in uh, the tail end of April, April 27th through the 29th. Looking forward to getting into this, though. Um, I guess we'll start with our outside the top 10 guys. Yeah. So I had two guys outside the top 10. The first one was Ronnie Bell, the senior out of Michigan. Um, six foot, 192. Interesting prospect. He, he went against good competition being in the Big Ten. Finished this year with 836 yards uh, with over 14 yards of catch. 
which is fairly impressive. Um, he was a good route runner is the main thing that I saw. You know, J.J. McCarthy was a solid quarterback, and he's one of those guys that – or Ronnie, Ronnie's one of those guys that was good when in space, uh, like a few other guys in this class. He didn't have a lot of 50-50 balls thrown his way. Um, I guess you can see that as kind of a lack of production in 50-50 balls or just a lack of opportunities. Um, I mean, he's not a huge guy, didn't have a ton of production, but I just like what I saw from him. And then another guy that's in my top 10 was Rock uh, or Rakeem Jarrett from the University of Maryland, another uh, Big Ten guy, six foot 200. He had 471 on the season, three touchdowns and just under 12 yards a catch. I do like him a lot. Obviously, uh, somewhat follow Maryland because that's my dad's alma mater, and I've just always liked watching them um, when I've had the chance. Just get a different perspective on teams outside the Big 12 and just a good team in general. I mean, they're a solid football team. Uh, one thing I noticed from him is being with other good receivers like Dante Demas Jr., who will also be drafted, um, likely in the sixth or seventh. Nonetheless, a good receiver. Um, you know, Jarrett was a guy that had an injury last year. He's more quick than he is straight line speed. He has a good short-range quickness, um, works well in a box, can get out of, you know, when he's trapped by a couple defenders, he can get out of it. Um, he had a good IQ for a receiver. I was impressed with watching him in different alignments, too. Um, you know, he lined up as the X and the Z multiple times. Um, really a personnel versatile receiver, and I like that from him because I think that will translate well to the next level. But those are just the two guys outside my top ten uh, that I really like and I think could have a big impact being selected on day three. I know a couple guys in there I didn't watch. Um, Ronnie Belzitha, a guy that I know about, um, had a great college football playoff in that game against Michigan or game against TCU. Um, definitely, I'm going to watch. Just didn't get around to it this time. Then the Maryland receiver, another one I didn't watch. Um, my guys outside the top ten, though. Again, I watched 13, so I have three here. Um, I'll start with uh, Kayshawn Butte from LSU. Uh, the one word I gave him was unsatisfied. Um, just a guy who. Um, kind of been talked about a lot since that he had a monster game his freshman year. I, I think it was against Ole Miss, but I'm, I'm, I, I'm not going to bet on that. that. That was the team. I don't really remember to be exact, but um, didn't really watch that game. Watched some of his 2021 tape. Um, and he looked disinterested as a sophomore. Um, and he looked, looked disinterested this year in his, in his tape as a junior. Um, just a guy who had always seemed like he was always looking at the NFL after his freshman year. Um, never really wanted to compete at LSU. And there's a guy on this list I'm going to talk about in my top five who, was at a school that wasn't very good this year, but was he competed his butt off every single rep. And, um, you know, there's just doesn't matter if you're on a competitive team or not. you got to compete. And, I mean, LSU was competitive a lot this year. I know he dealt with some injuries, but, um, you know, last year he really didn't want to compete and didn't really want to be out there, it looked like. So um, disappointed in the, in the watch from Butte. Um, there's going to be a team that takes a chance on him, but me personally, I just I think it's going to be awesome team sports for some off-the-field stuff as well. Um, hopefully he gets right. I mean, he's got a lot of talent. I just – for me personally, the mentality does not doesn't click for me there. Um, next guy I watched was Trey Palmer, actually a guy who I saw some of um, in Keishon Boudet's tape in 2021. Uh, Trey Palmer's out of Nebraska, but he was at LSU last year. Um, the word I gave him was explosive. Um, the guy is really fast. He's going to probably run sub 4-4. Four, four. Um, a team's going to take a chance on him in the third round, I think, just because of the speed. Um, he's a big play machine. That's all I really, really did at Nebraska was, was make big plays. Um, just kind of an undeveloped route tree, I think, undeveloped. 
um, just game all around. But um, definitely a guy I could see, you know, being a, a boomer bust type of prospect later in the draft, third, fourth round. Another guy that I had um, was Parker Washington at a Parker Washington out of Penn State. Um, word I gave him was versatile. He's got some return upside. Um, he can kind of do a lot with the ball. They gave him some jet sweeps occasionally. Um, kind of ran him out, put him outside, put him in the slot. Um, did a lot of things at Penn State. Um, liked his tape, you know, a fair amount. Um, just didn't, nothing really popped off um, the screen to me. More of a jack of all trades as opposed to, you know, ma- you know, jack of all trades, master of none type of guy. Um, so, but again, still a guy that I like, still a guy that's going to have a spot in the NFL as a versatile special teamer, um, good athlete as well. So, um, but I'll kind of get into my next five up. Um, definitely going to be a guy in here. I think that Brett may have in his top five. I know this is a guy that both of us like, um, but these, the, the five that's in this group, there's not, I didn't rank them at all. This is just something to give you the order. I've got him in on my, on my sheet here. Um, I'll start off with Tank Dell out of Houston. Um, the word I gave him was fearless. I mean, the guy's five, nine buck 65. Um, and he plays, like he's six foot, 200 pounds. I mean, the guy, the guy plays with a big heart. Um, I know it's cliche, you know, small guy plays with a big heart, but he really does. He's fearless. He plays fearless. He's not always going to be the biggest taken on a block, but he's going to do his, he's going to give his best effort to throw a block. Um, the guy goes up for every single jump ball he can at five, nine, one sixty-five, and he's going up with big safeties and corners. And, um, you know, he isn't afraid to catch balls over the middle of the field against linebackers. So guy really likes some really, really clean tape. I will say that guy has some clean tape. He's got some stuff to work on. Obviously the, the, the functional strength, and the play strength at the next level is a question, but definitely a guy who I really liked. Um, on this list as well, Cedric Tillman, one of the Tennessee receivers. Um, word I gave him was isolation. If you go watch the Georgia game, him and Keely Ringo had a hell of a battle, an absolute dogfight in press man coverage almost the whole game. A corner I, I like in Keely Ringo, a guy who's a, a press man corner through and through, both really physical guys. Um, Tillman had a great game, I thought, against him. Um, they both got the best of each other on occasion. Um, but I think Cedric Tillman ultimately is a possession guy, and that's a lot of teams like that. Um, reminded me of Michael Pittman Jr., just less of a an explosive factor to his game, you know what I'm saying? So um, big body, trees like, you know, 6'3", 215. He's a true big body possession receiver that certainly will have a place in the NFL. Um, he's a fairly developed guy. He's going to be 23 on draft night. Um, so, again, really developed receiver. Don't know how much more developed he can get at the next level, but certainly a guy who can play uh, at an NFL level. Um, Josh Downs is the guy I had in here who a lot of people have in their top five at North Carolina. Their word I gave him was slippery. Um, 5'10", I think he's about a buck 75, buck 80. Um, it's just slippery in his route, slippery with the ball in his hand. Definitely a dynamic playmaker. Um, got the ball in a lot of different different ways. Line him up in the backfield, line him up in the slot. Um, maybe a slot only guy just because of his size. I think he can maybe succeed on the outside. Just didn't do a lot of it at North Carolina and didn't. And when he did, it, he wasn't great there. But I think he's a guy who could. Um, and then another guy had Rashi Rice, another another fan favorite. Um, a guy who's in a lot of top fives at SMU. The word I get him was physical. Um, I think he's about six two, two oh five maybe, two ten maybe. But um, he plays like a bull in a china shop. I texted Brett. Uh, I think he's last night of the night before as I was finishing up his eval. I said, man, Rashi Rice, like I want to say he's a bull in a china shop, and I love that. Like, I, lo- I love it. I mean, for better or worse, he is. Um, sometimes he gets kind of gets caught up and puts his head down when he shouldn't. Um, but, again, he, he's a physical receiver, um, played pretty well against, you know, inferior conference USA or, or American conference talent, sorry, um, as well as, um, you know, struggled at times against some D1 talent at TCU. So a guy who's going to take, you know, needs some development at the next level, but certainly a guy I think who can play as well. And the last guy on this list is Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma, um, younger brother of Denzel Mims, who was drafted out of Baylor a few years ago. Um, the word I gave him was dynamic. I mean, I got the, you know, he had a great game against Texas Tech. He tore us up in the first half. Um, 
a guy who's a big playmaker. I'm um, going to need some refinement in his route tree. I think just kind of as a as a receiver, but from an athletic standpoint and from a a big playability standpoint, he's absolutely there at the next level. So um, those five guys really liked all of them. Um, you know, a couple of them were really close to being in my top five, like Tank Dell and Cedric Tillman were close to being at that five spot, but they just didn't quite get there for me with the guy that I have. They're having a um, an elite trait that I feel like plays at the next level a bit better. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I watched most of those guys. I did not watch Marvin Mims. Um, but everyone else, I think I did watch. My top 10 is a little bit different. I have three guys that I did a little bit more on because I think they have more room to improve based off what they did in college. And then I have two guys, I guess you could say at nine and 10, but it's really just a group of five guys. And I, rather than ordering them of what I think they're going to get like drafted, I order them based off what is their ceiling and how much better can they get like at an NFL level in an NFL offense. So nine and 10, uh, 10 is Kayshawn Boutte. I mean, you said it, he kind of, I mean, last year he had a lot of production, even freshman year more so. Um, Definitely an impressive receiver and he has tools that translate to the next level, but I don't see it with him. Um, you know, with how he carries himself and stuff like that. And then, of course, what recently came out initially uh, decided to return to LSU and then I guess was forced to declare technically. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see with him, you know, going into the season, it was like, all right, Boutte, Addison and JSN. I mean, those are kind of the top three guys. And then other guys came on, um, you know, everything happened with Boutte. And it's just kind of interesting see what happened with him. Um, so I think he does have a future in the NFL. I just don't know how bright it is. Uh, Cedric Tillman is another guy that I didn't have as much info on. I guess you could say I technically watched him, but I wasn't like zeroed in on him that much. I'm mainly watching Jalen Hyatt. Um, I mean, Tillman was impressive, but like you said, he's 23 on draft night. Um, he does have the size and he is impressive overall uh, in terms of, I don't want to say it. I mean, Let's see. Being 6'3", it's fortunate for teams that draft him to have a 6'3 receiver that you can line up as an X. Even if, you know, even if you have a wide receiver one or even a two, he can still bring expertise to that position group, to the film room, stuff like that. Um, I just don't think he has a ton of room to improve at the next level. He just kind of, it seems like he's almost reached his max uh, potential. I mean, obviously in the right system, he could, you know, flourish and become a wide receiver one somehow, but nonetheless, you know, starting your NFL career, you know, a year or two older than most of these guys is not going to be ideal. I mean, it's just like any other position, but I do like him. Um, I like what I saw from him. Just not quite as much as some other guys. Uh, but six, seven, and eight are three guys that are somewhat similar. Um, you know, Two of the three are in small conferences, and the other one is, you know, all-around good receiver. So I'll start off with Tank Dell. Uh, really, these three guys weren't six, seven, or eight. I initially had Tank Dell in my top five, and then I watched a few more guys, and it kind of changed a little bit, unfortunately, because I love Tank Dell. Um, you know, last year he had over 1,300 yards. Um you know, 5'10", 165. He's from Daytona Beach, as a few other guys in this 
top tenner from Florida, uh, but he had 109 catches, 1,398 yards, 17 touchdowns, and 12.8 yards a catch. He led the country in catches, yards, and touchdowns. What I saw was he had top-notch shiftiness. Uh, I mean, back-to-back 1,300-plus-yard seasons is incredible, even in the athletic conference. I mean, he's, he torched pretty much every secondary, like you said. He played really, really well against Tech last year and this year. Uh, he caught like a 50-yard pass against us this year. One thing I noticed from him more so than others that stood out is his ball security. Um, it was actually impressive to see because of how shifty he is. He always had the ball um, high and tight. But, I mean, I guess which is cliche, but, you know, as a receiver, you learn that, and a lot of guys – really throw that away and kind of just like hold the ball or don't even tuck it. Um, but, you know, with all the moves he was making and jukes, I mean, he would keep it right there every time. Uh, didn't have a fumble in his college career. It seems like every time he touched the ball was a big play. I mean, and in terms of NFL projection, I mean, he's given a team a punt and a kick returner as well. I mean, he had very easily an elite returner year one. I mean, he could become the best returner in the NFL rather quickly. Um and even though he was double covered frequently as a receiver, um, he flourished a lot even when they had the safety over him. In terms of weaknesses, I mean, obviously he lacks a little bit of size, uh, which normally leads to you having difficulties getting off of press coverage if a corner does end up getting their hands on you. Um, and likely he's a slot receiver. Just because of his shiftiness, I think that's going to be where he best translates, uh, his game translates. If you have no like a six foot one plus wide receiver on the outside, I think that'll be great. He's projected late third, early fourth. Um, and I would love, I mean, whoever takes him probably in the third is going to get a great pick and all around athlete at the next level. Um, these next two guys outside my top five, one of them, Rashi Rice from SMU. You already talked about him. Six, three, two Oh six from North Richland Hills, Texas. He had 96 catches, 1,355 yards, 10 touchdowns, and just over 14 yards a catch. He had four years of production, a really solid production. Top five in the nation in both um, catches and yards. He led the athletic conference in most stats um, that weren't led by Tank Dell. And he has NFL-level size and ball skills, you know, being 6'3", bigger than average receiver. And can go up and get a ball occasionally. Um, I mean, overall, when he was tightly covered, he wasn't great. Um, but didn't see much tight coverage in the AAC being with his talent above the competition. Um, you know, like Tank, most of the time, they were wide open. It would just be interesting to see when covered tightly, when go, having to go up and get a ball, how that translates to the next level that you could see. You know, they could work on in practice, obviously, a lot. Um, he's projected second-round pick. Probably the 40 to 60 range, mid-second. Um, but you know anything can happen. A lot can change before then. And a guy, another, I mean, all these guys are tough uh, to rank, but another guy that was really close to putting in my top five was Zay Flowers, the Boston College receiver uh, out of the ACC. 5'10", 172 out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, another guy out of Florida. I really liked what I saw. Uh, you know, he had pretty good production this year, 78 catches. Uh, 1,077 yards, 12 touchdowns, and 13.8 yards per catch. Um, what I noticed from him was he's a big-time yak, yards-after-catch guy. 
he was pretty explosive. And even though he was covered, he was still competitive. Uh, I mean, being in the ACC is a really good conference. Um, definitely wasn't tight coverage, was in tight coverage a good bit. And he read coverage as well also. Um, you know, that's kind of sounds like it should be like second nature for a receiver, but based off guys having outside inside leverage, what depending on the routes he had, I thought he really broke down well or, you know, adjusted his route well based off, you know, how things went at the line or what he saw in the coverage where the, you know, safeties were lined up. So that's another thing that I noticed that I think will translate really well at the next level is I guess you could say he has a high IQ. Um, I mean, weaknesses like tank, 5'10", a little bit smaller, smaller catch radius because of that. And he did have occasional drops, um, but they were better this year than last year. And he's also projected, you know, early to mid second round pick guy. I don't think he slides into the first, but I mean, while he could and things could change, like I said, I don't think he does. So that's where I stand right now um, outside my top five. Really, I mean, the seven guys I've mentioned are really quality guys guys being the top three, six, seven, and eight. I mean, guys that could really, you know, bring some firepower to your offense at the next level. Man, doing my guys, they flowers like that. That's he might be I think he's my favorite guy in this class, and we'll talk about him when we get to him in my rankings. But um no, I think I think you get the nail on the head with a lot of those guys. Um Tank Dell definitely. Um and I think it sounds like we're gonna have four of the same guys in our top five, with one being different and then I'm curious to see what the order is, um, but I guess I'll start it off with my number five receiver. Um, we've got Jalen Hyatt at number five. Um, the word I gave Jalen Hyatt was lightning. Um, could have gone with a lot of things, but lightning felt like a good one because and the guy's lightning quick. He's fast. Um, he, he's also got a fifth gear. I think a lot of times you see him in, in, in coverage and he'll kind of lull a safety or a corner into running a little slower. Um, and then he kicks it into gear and he's gone. I mean, the guy's literally, if he gets, I mean, the thing is, teams tried to press him and if he kind of broke the press and he got behind you, you're, you're, you're done. You better hope you have a safety over top. So um, kind of the, the general blurb I had on Hyatt was um, speed plays and speed kills and his absolutely killed just to ask the Alabama secondary. Um, they all had a tough day against him. That goes for Eli Ricks, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Brian Branch, who I'm a huge fan of, Je- uh, Jordan Battle. I mean, you name it, everybody struggled with him. Um, containing him and whether that's a lack of, of scheme or whatever, you know, that that's, he, he had a, he had a field day against those guys. Um, I'm not drafting him as a wide receiver one, but I think he's a, a really good wide receiver too. And I think he's a guy that, um, you know, you should be drafting when you've got a legitimate one. Um, but I think he commands so much attention from guys from defensive backs in the back end that he's going to make a wide receiver one next to him or across the field from him so much better. Um, I think he has more jet sweep potential than he was given at, at Tennessee. Um, but the pressure he puts on defense is, is, is unmatched. I think, I mean, there's only a couple other, a couple other guys in this class that put that kind of pressure on the defense. Um, I mean, him simply being on the field is going to free up guys across the field from him um, or kind of an underneath, an underneath route. We saw it a lot with Brew McCoy at Tennessee this year. Um, you know, Hyatt ran a lot in the slot, but when you've got Brew McCoy, um, you know, who's six foot three or taller and you got Cedric Tillman who's six foot three or taller on the outside. Um, you know, that's kind of what happens. A lot of slot, um, you know, sacked alignment stuff as well. Um, but he's got to go to the right place. I think, I don't think a team should be drafting him as a one. He's not a one. I don't know if he'll ever be a one. He's going to need some development in his game as a route runner. Um, I think the con, you know, the cons that I, the big ones I had on him were 
number one, what does his route tree even look like at the next level? Um, he didn't, get a, didn't run a lot at Tennessee. There's a lot of go balls, a lot of stacked alignment. Um, he dealt with press better than I thought he would, though. He's he's actually pretty good at beating the press. Um, and something that, that you know, general knowledge and, and logic would tell you is that, you know, the guy's rail thin. Um, you know, he's not a super big. I mean, he's like, what, six foot one, I think. Um I think about 200 pounds, one, you know, he's 180. Um, I think he's about 6'1", 180. Um, I guess six, six foot 185 is what Tennessee has him listed at, but um, really good effort blocker. He's not going to bully guys in, in the blocking game, but he did, he did a really good job. He's a really good effort blocker, and he knows how to position his frame in the right spot for guys to just kind of get behind him. Not necessarily a dominant blocker, but a guy who's going to give a really good effort, um, better effort than I thought I'd see from a guy like that. Just that, that that kind of frame and size. A lot of times you see college receivers don't really give a great effort or kind of give up on the block halfway through the play. Did not see that at all with with Jalen Hyatt. Um, separates better than anybody else with his speed. I mean, that's the big one. Speed kills. So he separated really well with his speed. And, um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to have to get, he's going to have to get stronger, I think. But he didn't have to put on weight to get stronger. It's just for him, it's functional strength, strength I think. Brick and the ankle tackles, maybe shaking a guy and rolling off of a guy instead of making a guy miss um, maybe a little bit better in the short area quickness department. But, um, you know, again, not the most well-rounded receiver in this class. And I think there are guys below him. I, I honestly, I think Cedric Tillman's a more well-rounded receiver on the same team. But the thing that Jalen Hyatt does really, really well is he's probably the fastest receiver in this class. Um, and he uses that speed really well. He's sudden in his breaks on his deep routes, on his posts, his, his, his corner routes. He's really sudden getting to those breaks and even his wheel routes. Tennessee used to love, running these stacked alignments that have him go up and it was a late wheel route break. And he's really good at it. Um, the kind of breaks in the fade routes. So um, I think he's a guy who comes into an offense and in the right place can be a really high impact guy. year one, just being on the field. Um, and it's a guy that I really liked um, his, his attitude playing the game, his mentality, you know, approaching the game when he wasn't getting the ball, he was always engaged. Um, he was selling that RPO fake. So i um, big fan of Jalen Heights. Rightfully so. He's a guy that I have in my top five. Um, but starting at five, we have Iowa State wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson. This Man, dude, all right, while, all right, here we go. Well, he is, you know, he's he's 22, I believe, 6'3", 205 out of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, in 2022, he had 107 catches, 1171 yards, six touchdowns, 10.9 yards a catch. Uh, if I was doing the one word thing, uh. The word for him would be acrobatic. I mean, he had three three seasons of really solid production. He's a maximum volume guy with 107 catches. Uh, he's a great route runner for his size. You know, normally you look at big guys, they don't normally drop their hips as well. Uh, they're not as good in their breaks. He's, I mean, he plays like a, I mean, he shifts like a small receiver. He can find open space anywhere on the field. He finds the holes in coverage, similar to a couple other guys. Uh, he's really acrobatic at the catch point, like I said. He can make any kind of catch, underthrow, overthrow, um, you know, sideline. He did have drop issues in 20, 2021, but he did clean it up in 2022. He's projected a third-round pick. And then for my top five guys, I also had ideal fits. Um, you know, being from Jacksonville, I had to pin him to the Jags. And I also think he could go to the Bucks if uh, Mike Evans is gone, and he could go to the Saints. Uh, those are three teams that I think for him he would translate really well. While, you know, any wide receiver needy team could use a number of wide receivers, I just think 
you know, I thought about draft order and where these guys are projected and stuff like that to kind of narrow it down to three teams a player. But I really like Hutchinson. Um, you know, there's a lot. It seems like a wide variety of receivers in this class. We have a couple 5'10 all the way to, you know, a few 6'3 guys. But I really like Hutchinson a lot just because, you know, he's a big 12 guy. So he's going against pretty good competition. And one, the main thing for me was consistency is he never like he never had really had a down game. He never really had like a down season. It seemed like he was always putting together just constantly solid games after solid game with like, you know, nine catches a game. It's really impressive what he's done. And I think he's getting overlooked by a lot of people so far. And I think he will go earlier than he's projected now. Hey, chalk me up as an overlooker, man. I didn't watch him. So I definitely I'm going to have to watch after after we got off the pod tonight, man. That, that's awesome. Um, I, I always was on the radar. Obviously, I knew about him being in the Big 12, but um, really good report there. I like that a lot. Um, definitely, I'm going to have to watch. I think they're a unique body type in this class. Um, but yeah, that, that's a that's a good eval. I'll definitely have to go watch him um, tonight after we're done. Yeah, I like him a lot. And I'm glad I could talk about him a little bit. Um, I guess he's going to be one of my guys here and the wide receiver group. Uh, but going on number four as we're alternating through this, I got Jalen Hyatt here at four. I have him at six foot, 185 out of Irmo, South Carolina. Um, you know, his 2022 stats, 67 catches, 1,267 yards, 15 touchdowns, and just under 19 yards a catch. A lot of strengths and not many weaknesses. Um, you know, a few weaknesses as, you know, most – Respective draft receivers have, um, but for the type of player he is, I mean, what he did this, just let alone this one season, it seems like he cleaned up a lot of concerns and stuff like that. I mean, he's the deep threat uh, of the class. You know, he was 13th in the nation in yards per catch, which seems like in a class full of deep threats, he's the guy. Uh, you know, going against top-notch competition in the SEC. Like you said, the Bama game was his game of the year. Um, I also noticed that he accelerated in similar ways that Johnson did. It's I noticed on tape, like you said, he's really like skinny and lanky. Six foot, it looks on tape that he's like six two, six three, like a Johnston. Just yeah. the ways that they, you know, look on the field and how they accelerate and their stride length and stuff like that. Um, that kind of leads into the weaknesses, though. Uh, while he does have better ball skills than most. There wasn't a ton of tightly covered, like, contested catches that I saw, at least. He is skinnier. Uh, like I said, he looks taller than six foot. And in 2020 and 2021 combined, he only had 51 catches, 502 yards, four touchdowns, and 12 yards of catch. So, really, all they're going off, all scouts are going off, are mainly his 2022 production. And I just hope his 2022 production translates to the next level as a wide receiver, too, in most offenses. Um you know, it's projected, I'd say, pick 30 to pick 50, kind of that early, that first half of the second round range. Ideal fits I have for him are the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Chiefs, teams that, you know, have good wide receivers, but could just use that extra jolt of speed. You know, you saw what Tyreek did for Mahomes, and while Mahomes didn't lose a step, um, I think having a guy back like that would be beneficial. While he does have Hardman, I think Hyatt adding him would be really beneficial for the Giants. I mean, looks like they're re-signing Daniel Jones on a team-friendly contract, so give him a wide receiver. Um, 
while they're still in cap hell with Kenny Galladay. And then the Cowboys, while they don't make good selections, and this would be one, um, you know, I think this is a pick that could translate well for Dak. You know, I don't think Dak has the tools that everyone say he says he does. Um, you know, they have good receivers, but I just think giving them Hyatt, you know, similar to the Giants would help a quarterback even more that doesn't necessarily have the best arm. You missed the most obvious team comp with him. Gotta be the Chargers, man. Yeah. Someone get Justin Herbert some speed. Get him some speed. I was going to put Chargers, but I just didn't know because y'all had still had Mike. I was going to wait till Keenan was gone before I mocked y'all to or mocked a receiver to y'all. I know you're going to take a receiver early, but it's just like I think it was tough to give y'all one. But this would be the guy if I did. This would be the guy if I did. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, obviously, Chargers Twitter loves this guy. Um, cautioning everybody, maybe not a first round pick at, you know, 23. I mean, if they win a game here, yeah, you take him at 25, 26. But um, no, I'm a big fan of his. Like you said, um, you, you touched on it a little bit. It's just, just his. He's it, just different. He, he, I'll say this: he's, he does look taller than six two. You're six foot. You're right. It's got some long legs, dude. I mean, he's got some long legs. Um longer than guys who are like six foot like he might have longer legs than quentin johnson does and then quentin johnson's like a legit six forward um so it's pretty it's pr- pretty unique um but yeah i don't have to talk about the guy anymore but um really special player and what, what i thought was a pretty clear top five to me with these guys but i'll get to my number four um easily my favorite player in this class um zay flowers out of boston college the word i give him was showtime because you put the ball in his hands, you might as well start recording because he's he's gonna make something happen and it's gonna be pretty unique. Um, the blurb I had to start off was you put this guy on Alabama and Ohio State, a USC, a name and I mean it's raps. This guy's putting up crazy numbers. Um, and, and you hate to do that with some guys, but um, just the stuff he did with the ball in his hand was uh, I think the best in the class. I think he's the best yak guy in this class. Um, well, which is saying something because there's some really good players after the catch in this class. I think that um. You know, he's got speed for days to take the top off the defense, which is something that you don't always see with yak guys. It's a lot of, like, break tackle and be shifty, but not a lot of speed. He's got deep speed for days. Um, you know, so going to be some questions around the level of play that he saw that he competed against being at, being in the ACC and being at BC, and he didn't always see the best competition in the ACC. But um, he dominated those guys. He played well against, you know, teams like Clemson. So um, I think those will be answered at, at the Shrine Bowl. Um you know, in February when he's there and um, it just, it's just a competitor. He's the guy that I mentioned earlier with, with Butte, who um, the complete opposite, a, a BC team that was bad for the, you know, the, the three or four years he was there. Um, but he competed his butt off. And and every time I took the field, he was, he wanted to be there. You know, again, all four years, he, they were not very good teams that he had suffered from bad quarterback play this year. Um, and didn't matter. The guy was going out there, you know, trying to do his best and do his best for his team. Um, really agile, really, really good stop start ability, really good in quick area and short area quickness. Um, one of my favorite traits about him is just the stop start and acceleration. Um, line up up in the slot. He's a, he's a linebacker safety nightmare. Um, a lot of, a lot of scheming, but again, it, I, I thought, like you mentioned, 2021 drop issues. I thought he cleaned that up a lot in 2022. I thought he had really good, he's really good at catching with his hands. Some guys kind of catch their body. I think he's really good at getting, his hands to the ball, whether it's late or, you know, on time, you can only be late with your hands on a deep ball. Um, but I thought he's really good with his hands getting, you know, not being a pads catcher, being a hands catcher. Um, 
and once again, I think he's the hardest guy to tackle one-on-one in space in this class. Um, maybe Quentin Johnston just because of how big he is and strong he is, but, um, you know, Zay is just, a, he's going to make you miss. It's it's really impressive. Um, it plays with a ton of confidence and a ton of swag. Um, not not cockiness, but just confidence to knowing that, like, he's the man. He can, you know, he no one's going to hold him. And, and he had that mentality, and nobody did in the ACC. Nobody held him. Nobody was, you know, they people, teams, a lot of teams had safety help over the top on him. Um, Got a fifth year of speed, I thought, too, coming with the ball in his hands, getting deep. Um, and then the last thing I had the, the plus on him was it was really good. It, you know, for a guy who's 5'10", he was good in jump ball and, and fade situations. Um, BC threw a lot of goal line fades to him. Um, and he's really good adjusting to the ball in the air, which is, again, something that, that guys who are 5'10", and, you know, under six feet tall, don't always do really well, is adjust midair to the ball. And I think he does that really, really well um, and have, has really good ball skills for a guy who's 5'10". Um the contact is going to be limited in those situations in the NFL is going to see bigger corners and bigger safety. So that'll be a limitation there, but um, it limited in an outside receiver role due to size. Um, he's not going to be an every down outside receiver. This guy's five ten, you know, what? 180 pounds, 175 pounds. He got 172 on the PC website. He about 180 at the combine, I bet. So he's not going to be an outside receiver every play. Um, do I think he can succeed there in the NFL level? Absolutely. I think he's talented enough. I just don't think he's going to, it will be serving his skill set best in the offense best. I think he's a slot receiver. He's got in motion to give hand give handoffs to. Um, his play actually reminded me of some of Debo Samuel's play at the South Carolina. Um, Debo wasn't this like, oh my God, he's a wide receiver one in, in college. It wasn't what he was in college coming out. You know what I mean? That people didn't see him as what he is now. So um, I'm not I'm not putting the Debo Samuel stamp on this guy. That's way too much. And Debo's bigger than him, but similar play style and, and utilization at Boston College. Um, with some, against some more cons, he was forced to the ball. What does he look like in an offense where he's not the focal point? Can he still make the same kind of impact? Um, physical press man, corners are going to present some challenges to him. Just because, again, he's a smaller frame guy. I think he needs to get his releases maybe a little bit better. I think that's one thing he doesn't always – he's a little choppy on his releases, kind of takes too many steps. Um, can sometimes not sink his hips enough on his, on his breaks, but um, nonetheless a guy that – for me, what I really valued was his yak ability, um, and I think the 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 other parts of his game he can develop at the next level. Those are all things you can correct and coach, um, which is what offseason working with working with vets. So you can't coach the yak ability and, and just the instinct with the ball in your hands, um, which is what I really loved in him. I like that. Uh, what you said on Zay was pretty spot on. Um, you know, I agree with you. I mentioned him in my next five out, kind of like the seven six seven eight guy. Yeah, I mean, yards after catch is definitely one of his calling cards. He's elite after the catch, explosive, uh, like a couple other guys. And I just, I like what I saw from him. Um, but as he wasn't going against the top competition, I was definitely impressive what he did this past season. Yeah, no, definitely. That's going to be one, probably going to be my favorite guy in this class and one of my guys, similar to Hutchinson for you. Um, and hopefully Hutchinson's one of my guys too. I hope I hope I watch him pretty soon and get on him. But um. Really like Zay Flowers' game and the mentality he brings to the table as well. Um, so I'm going to get into my top three here. Um, for me, it's a very clear-cut top three. It's pretty cut and dry. Like, hey, these are the three, the big three. Um, and I'll just say the guys' names. Being Addison, JSN, and Johnston. I'm not going to tell you what order I have them in. We're going to get into that right now. But it, those guys are a pretty clear top three, I think, for everybody. Um simply because of the ceilings that those guys have to be legitimate wide receiver ones. Um, the guy that I've got at wide receiver three is Quentin Johnston out of TCU. The word I gave him, like I said earlier, was specimen. Um, 
He's six foot four, 215 pounds. He, and he's going to run sub four, four. He's going to run sub four, four at the combine. He's good. If, I mean, if not sub four, four, five, he may run sub four, four. Um, the guy, he's a pterodactyl. I mean, that, that's like, that's the animal comp. If you want to give him one, he's huge. Um, he's bigger and stronger than everybody else in the field. Um, every corner he comes up against, he's going to be bigger and stronger than for the most part, other than like what Tariq Woolen, who's six foot four, but not two fifteen. So just a guy who's really big, really strong. Um, you don't see guys that big move as fast as Johnson does. Um, he's going to run with everybody in the NFL. I think there may be some guys that are going to be able to run with him and faster, but other than that, I mean, he's not a guy you can just, you can just put press man coverage on and say, okay, we're going to not let you beat us. If that's not his game, you're going to have to, you know, put a safety over top, maybe be in zone coverage, make him find the soft zones, which I think he's also very good at. Um, he's hard to bring down in space. He's really, really physical um, with the ball in his hands. He's dynamic. Uh, he's about to take every pass, every handoff to the crib. Just be, again, he's six foot four, two fifteen, and he's going to run sub four four. I mean, that's rare. Um, you know, maybe he'll run slower than that if he bulks up a little bit. I think I think he's going to slim down and try and run super fast to get his stock up. Um, you know, if you ask me right now, what he's going to run maybe four five, but he's probably going to run faster than that in the four fours, which is really impressive. Um, puts a lot of a pressure on, on opposing DBs. He eats up space. A lot of times teams are going to give him an a eight to 12 yard cushion and he eats it up. Boom immediately. And it's, it, that's a really good part of his game that he catches corners on their heels and then you're, and then you're beat deep and there's nothing you can do about it at that point. Um, really good at catching the ball at the high point and jump ball scenarios. Um, he's definitely the best jump ball guy in this class. Um, he's just bigger than everybody. I'm asking that he's a really, he's gonna have a good vert. I think, um, he, and I think what I think is one of his best traits is as just a pure receiver is he's really good at the catch point fighting through physicality from corners. Um, a lot of times you sleep corners, get really physical at the catch point, And a lot of guys in college will drop these balls. Johnson doesn't drop these balls for the most part. He's really physical at the catch point, um, catch the ball through contact. Um, and there was nobody in the big 12 that was holding him. I mean, even when you get to the Michigan game, I thought he competed really well. Um, against the, their top corners. Um, he was in a dogfight again with Ringo in, in, the, uh, in the championship game, obviously. If you look at his stat line of, what, one reception for like three yards, don't put that on him. Matt, I've never seen a quarterback more flustered and under duress than Max Duggan was. I mean, Georgia ate him alive and ate that TCU offensive line alive. So um, Johnson, I thought, got open a, a good a good amount and just they just weren't getting the ball to him. Um, I mean, the guy who has a knack for the big play and a knack for the big moment. You think about the Michigan game. I mean, that what that little drag route he caught, that broke a tackle and took it to the house for like 76 yards. And that's a backbreaker. That was a demoralizing play for that Michigan defense. So um, really good blocker in the, in the quick game. Um, sprung a big play against Kansas for Darius Davis with a, with a block who took up, who took up two defenders and a block. Um, he blocked one, got off the block, got to another block up top and um, sprung Davis for an untouched touchdown for what, like 50-some yards. Um He's a red zone nightmare with size and speed, um, hands catching ability, and he handles press coverage well. Obviously, I mean the guy's going to be a physical right back with you. Again, Keely Ringo and him, um, two physical guys that that had a you know a dog fight in that Georgia game. Um, doesn't get knocked off his his routes by physical coverage either. Downfield, a lot of guys get get kind of pushed off their route. Um, one of my complaints with Hyatt sometimes is get pushed off his route a little bit, just being a smaller guy. Johnson doesn't do that. He doesn't get pushed off, pushed off routes at six four two fifteen. Um, and the last thing I'll get to before I get to the cons is, um, really good spatial awareness uh, on the football field, good IQ with the ball in his hands. Um, really good at making guys miss, making the first defender miss after the catch, um, which is huge for, 
Um, you know, a guy who's not the quickest per se, more of a straight line speed guy. I'm really good to make guys miss after the after the catch. Um, the cons that I have for him, what does the route tree look like the next level? Um, primarily ran post fades and goes drag slants. Um, didn't really want to run it. Didn't really run a lot of intermediate routes, uh, no whip routes, corner routes, a lot, a lot of big outs, uh, digs, that kind of thing. Ran some of those um, against teams that left the middle of the field wide open. But what does he look like with a full route tree? I also don't think he's a natural separator. I, you know, there's some guys that just naturally just get open because they run shaky routes and, and they just they know how to shake DBs. Um, typically, a lot of the separation comes from size and strength, which and speed, which, again, it's it's not, you know, a bad thing. It's just I prefer receivers that are going to separate more naturally, kind of like, um, you know, recent comps, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, guys that were just good route runners that knew how to shake DBs. Um, not overwhelming acceleration, takes some time to get up to top speed. Um, but again, when he does, he's, he's moving pretty quick. Um, didn't love the ability to sink the hips on, on, on breaks on like, you know, out routes and quick game. But again, he's six foot four. It's hard to get, you know, low and drop your hips like that. Um, and I thought he was a little bit patient as a, of a runner, uh, you know, on, on jet sweeps and screens kind of just wish he'd get to top speed and get to the edge. Um, cause he's got the speed to do it. So, um, but again, a, a guy who's really good. I just, the reason I have him at three and not, two or one like most people do is because I think the floor is lower than the guys I have at two and one. Um, I I do worry a little bit about what does he look like at the next level running a full route tree being the focal point of an NFL offense. That's what I worry about. Um, you're one of those, I think he becomes a one eventually. I think he has development to, to do to get to that point though, which is why I have him at three. I like it. I won't say anything because uh, I will be talking about him too. I'm not going to get into my three and then my two. Um, it pains me to do this because, like, this guy at three is the it. guy that Don't do it. I most want the Ravens to draft. If I had to pick one Don't receiver for the Ravens to take, he's the guy I most want them to take. Don't do it, it just, Brett. It's painful, but <laughs> it's going to be Ohio State's Jackson Smith no. and Jigba. Six one two hundred out of Rockwall, Texas, mm. um, just outside of Dallas. It's tough because, you know, this season he had five catches for forty three yards because he was injured two games into the year. But you look back a year ago in twenty twenty one, and he had ninety five catches, sixteen over sixteen hundred yards, nine catches, and seventeen yards a catch, and that was with two other wide receiver ones in that offense. I just, it's tough because if he played this year, and just had a thousand yards, nothing crazy. He would be wide receiver one, I think, pretty handily. And I just, it doesn't seem like he really has weakness. You got, you could say he's not, he wasn't in a ton of alignments when he was healthy, because normally the X and the Z were taken by Garrett and Olave being speedy guys, more shifty guys. But what I saw from him was he had great control and ball skills. He's a true NFL level route runner even out of the slot. Um, I do think he would be better in the slot just because he lacks experience as an X or a Z and he's not as shifty, but that by no means means he's limited to the slot. Um, I just think that'll kind of ease him in. I mean, being that he hasn't really, I mean, when he makes his debut in the NFL, it will have been like a year since he played football rather than, you know, six months, like some of these guys, eight months. So I just think, Starting him in the slot, easing him in uh, in personnel packages as well will be better. And I think he has no doubt has the ability to become a wide receiver one. Uh, I think he has the highest ceiling. 
probably. Uh, I just want him to have a good fit in a team that utilizes his skills and helps develop his uh, weaknesses. And the team that best does that is going to get the most out of him. And I mean, he's a beast last year, even, you know, in the loaded wide receiver room, uh, probably going in the back half of the first round and the fits for, I have for him are the commanders Falcons and Raiders. Although I don't think the Raiders are going to take him. Um, I think Commanders is an option. I think they're in a good spot right now at 16, I believe, to take him. I assume he would be there. And the Falcons need a smaller guy. They got Drake London in the first last year. They have Kyle Pitts, but they're looking for a small guy. I mean, those are two guys that are both big and have similar skill sets. Um, So I think he would round out their offense and help whatever QB the Falcons put back there um, play better. So that's my guy at three. I love that. I love that fit. I just I don't want, I love that Atlanta fit. Though. I don't want to cut you off, but I love that. That's a great fit. That's a really good point. I think he fits nicely in that offense. Yeah, no, that was all I had. I was just rounding yeah. it out with my fits. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head with him. I mean, he didn't play this year. Um, and obviously I'm going to talk about him. He's obviously in my top two. Um, so I, I won't talk too much about him right now. Um, similarly to you with Johnson, I'm not going to spend too much time on him, but um. Definitely an interesting case that the fact that he didn't play this year. Um, but a guy that I really like, and obviously, like you said, um, the production with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, two wide receiver ones, it's hard to, hard to miss. But again, you didn't see him play this year. So um, definitely a fair eval. And I think um, you and a lot of NFL teams have the same question, same that I did. Um, but I'll let you get to your number two. Number two is tough. We had four of the top five or power five conferences covered in my top five. Um, and two from this guy's conference. Um, I like him a lot. He was my wide receiver one for a while, but the problem with him is his quarterback was run first. And the other two guys in my top three are, were played with quarterbacks that are going to be top four picks in their respective classes. So you're with the top four pick QB versus a run first fifth round pick QB it's a big difference and it makes a big difference. And it just goes to show how much of an impact this guy had uh, TCU's Quentin Johnston, 6'4", 215 out of Temple, like you said. Um, I really like him a lot. He's His game really does translate for a lot of offenses. Um, he's the kind of receiver that you either need or you don't. He's, you know, he has a lengthy build. It's kind of an illusion how fast he really is. And he has incredibly long strides, more so than the average wide receiver is which I, what I noticed. Impressive speed for his size. He's dominant vertically and the prototypical X wide receiver at the NFL level. I like him because if you look at offenses that have a receiver but don't have like a tall, big outside wide receiver, like let's see, you have the commanders, you have the Panthers. You have mm, Baltimore. Yeah, the Ravens. Baltimore, yeah. Green Bay, you could argue if if Lazard's because Lazard he ain't bad. He's gone. Lazard is, is gone, so Green Bay. And then the Saints as well. Um, yep. I mean, there's teams where if you look at teams that don't have a big guy and you put him in their offense. The difference he makes in not only that wide receiver room, but that offense is monumental, more so than I think any other receiver in this class. Where if 
like JSN or Addison, if you look at them, you're looking to pair them with a guy like Johnston. And I don't think putting them in offense with a big guy like Atlanta, for instance, that has two big receipt pass catching threats. I don't think he makes as big of a difference as adding a big receiver. Um, but there are, I mean, a few weaknesses for him. He doesn't have a huge route tree. He's more of a specialist. In a couple games, including one, the one versus Texas Tech, I noticed he had some difficulty getting off like press man blocks. Um, while he was great, like down the field blocking, you know, more than five yards past the line of scrimmage, I think putting a little more upper body muscle should help him with his releases off DBs when they get their hands inside on him. Uh, he's projected, you know, probably 10 to 20, that range-ish. I mean, it, something could always happen and teams could trade up to get him, but that's just what I think where he goes right now based off who's picking where. Um, the ideal fits I have are the Texans, Lions, and Panthers, three teams that I think would benefit greatly um, from his services. You know, you know, each of these teams, I mean, at least the Panthers and Lions, have good receivers. Uh, but they're looking for another guy. I think they could both benefit. You know, they have Amon or St. Brown and DJ Moore, which are somewhat similar wide receivers. But I think having Johnston would be big for that offense and help, you know, Jared Goff and then whoever the quarterback is in Carolina, presumably a young quarterback. So that was my three and two, uh, two really, really solid receivers. And I think will translate as wide receiver ones, um, maybe not next season, but maybe in their second year as wide receiver ones leading an offense. Um, but yeah, I mean, the top three are tough because these are all three guys that could really be at one. I mean, if a couple games go their way. Yeah. Two things I do want to mention. Can we just for a second picture a world in which the Atlanta Falcons roll out Drake London on one side, Quentin Johnson on the other side, and Kyle Pitts lined up in the slot? I'm cool with that. Or an inline tight end. Can we just for a second imagine the beautiful large offense that would be i just the deep threat is just incredible um nobody's holding those guys i just beautiful same thing with like did you imagine putting darnell washington next to kyle pitts in that offense mm-hmm. same deal um that's but you're right it, it doesn't fit there but um i like i like the detroit fit a lot um dj shark kind of the quintessential x receiver but johnston is 100 an upgrade over him um, from a youth, from a talent perspective. I um, think he fits well next to, like you said, Amonra and then Jamison Williams eventually when he gets on the field. Um, but yeah, a guy that um, evidently you have a lottery receiver one, and this guy was going to be my one um, until I came to the light on, on who is my one. Um, number two, I got Jordan Addison um, from USC, formerly at Pitt, won the Blitnikoff in 2021, playing with Kenny Pickett. Um, the word I gave him was polished. Um, I think he's the highest floor guy in this class, and he's got a wide receiver one ceiling. Um, for me, he's wide receiver two largely due to a play style and what I believe, again, is a higher floor than Johnston. Um, I think he's the highest floor in the class. Um, and I think Jordan steps into an offense and is immediately a really good wide receiver two, and he's pushing to be a wide receiver one by the end of the year. And I think that start of year two, he's a wide receiver one. Um Obviously, all these guys have some polished, some some stuff to kind of get right when they get to the league. Like, I think this class is missing. Like, last year we had Garrett Wilson, who we both had as wide receiver one, and we said he's a one from day one in the NFL. He's a wide receiver one. There, we're missing a guy that says he's a one, like, right now, tomorrow. Now, I have my thoughts on the guy that I have at one, and that I think he could be if a couple things check out. But, like, 
this class is missing a true dominant one at the moment. Again, it's, it's January 13th. We're recording this. We have 104 days to the draft. Got a lot of time, but or 107, whatever it is. A lot of time for the draft. You have plenty of time. This is going to change, but I think Addison is pushing to be a one by the end of the year. Um, the notes I had on Addison, uh, number one, he's the smooth, another phrase I gave him, he's a smooth operator. Um, the guy's so level-headed. He's so calm. Um, you know, in the biggest moments, he shined the brightest. I mean, you look at the Oregon State game. Um, they needed a drive in the last four minutes of the game, and him and Caleb Williams went to work, and and they moved the ball on the field. And, and sure enough, Caleb found Jordan, uh, you know, as a whole shot for, from from Caleb Williams, which is spoiler alert for a year from now, he's going to be QB1. But and a beautiful throw to a, a really good route from Addison, really good catch, and he got in the end zone. Um, just a guy I think can win everywhere on the field. He can line him up in the slot, line him up out, out wide at, at a Z or an X, and he's going to succeed. Um, you know, at, at six foot, 175, he's a smaller build guy, um, but that doesn't stop him from being an outside receiver. Um, he's got the ability to shake defensive backs. Um, it's, it made some guys look silly in pursuit uh, kind of behind him, which with the cutbacks and all that stuff. Um, and, and I think, like I said, he can win at each level of the field. He can line him up uh, in the backfield like USC did a couple times. And, um, you know, they line him up in the backfield, put him on a wheel route, and he, he, you get the matchup with a safety or linebacker, and he's gone. He's beating him deep. He's got really good speed. Um, I think he's going to run faster than people think. Similar to what Garrett Wilson did last year, he ran, what, like sub 4-4, four, four, and nobody thought he would do that. I think it's going to be Addison this year. I think he's going to have a really good 40 time. Um, like I said, he's got the long speed to threaten the back end of the secondary before and after the catch. Um, he's a home run threat when he gets into the third level of the defense. I don't know if he's in that spot with every single slant or in route or, or whatever he catches. Um, he's not the best tackle breaker, which is one of the cons I had for him. He's not the biggest, strongest guy that break tackles, but um, he's going to make guys miss. And um, USC loved, I mean, loved to get him into the flats uh, on, on these little just kind of little flat routes and he did a lot of damage there, whether it was off a quick game or out of the backfield or out of, you know, off of motion, he did a great job at it. Um, the other thing that I noticed in, in a lot of college receivers tend to struggle with this. I feel like um, very aware of where the sideline was. It was able to actually use it to his advantage on some of his routes. He was running um, really aware of just spatial awareness in the field. Um, really, really sudden route runner. I think he's probably maybe one of the best in the class. He sinks the hips really well on his on his breaks. He's really twitchy. He's very agile, um, and and that's evident with the ball in his hands and with it in his routes. Um, really good route runner. Um, and then a couple a couple cons. He's really complete receiver. I think done not a lot of cons in this, and most of it's again due to his play strength is not going to run anybody over break tackles. Um, He's not a great run blocker. Again, naturally, it's due to his size, but he's more than willing to mix it up with DBs. Again, he's just a little smaller, and he needs to put some strength on. But again, it's functional strength, um, and that's something you can coach. Um, doesn't sink his hips as a blocker, which is interesting. He kind of gets caught upright with by DBs. So, like, Clark Phillips bullied him in, in the run blocking game because Clark Phillips is a shorter guy. He's like 5'10", and he got up under his pads. Um, granted, Clark Phillips is a really good corner, but that's just an example of it um, that we saw in a couple games. Um, kind of gets evaded by blockers too. Like I said, they kind of get kind of get lower than him and get around him. Um, and then I want to see him be in a little bit more control going after corners, which again is just I think it's a technique thing for him about blocking. It, he's plenty in control in his routes, plenty in control with the ball in his hand. So I think he's just working on run blocking. But I think I wanted to kind of finish off with him that I thought was really unique. Um, 
and really telling to me was he was the Blitnikoff at Pitt in 2021. Comes into 2022 with a brand new team and a brand new squad. He transfers in January. Um, immediately has really good rapport with with Caleb and with Lincoln. Um, and he was not trying to sneak off to the NFL. He made it a point to kind of create a culture in that wide receiver room that guys like Mario Williams, guys like Taj Washington are going to carry with them forward, Brendan Rice, into next season. And I think it's really, to me, it was really impressive to see him go, I transferred in here for the money, to be honest. Opportunity is great, but like he chose USC over the other suitors because they had the most money for him in the NIL, which, like it or not, that that's the new college football but he didn't just take the money and go, I'm going to chill until next year and just post up. No, he went to work and he made a point to, to leave a mark on that program in a, in a, in a position where he had a chance to, to make a difference there, which I thought was really cool. Um, and again, just, he wasn't looking to get to the NFL, which is something that a lot of guys do. Um, the guy I have at one, you could argue did that. Um, whether or not we want to talk about that on the pod is, but something we don't know. It's an injury that was undisclosed, but, Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. I don't think he was personally, but some people think he is, whatever, that that's for them to do. But um, Jordan Addison, really complete receiver, highest floor in this class with a really high upside. Um, really, really enjoyed watching him at USC this year. Um, expected for him to be a little less interested than he was, and he was a competitor to the fullest extent. Um, really liked the guy and was my one for a long time and, and is about as close to a one. If a I'm not going to do this because this is lame, but he's like a 1B. If you want to put it that way, that's how much I like the guy as a prospect. Um, but a big fan of Jordan Addison. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, the only guy that I haven't talked about so far. Um, we've we've talked about everyone um, collectively, but we have not each uh, completed our rankings as we, as we both still have our number one guy to reveal. Um, but if you've been paying attention, you – know who each of our number one guys are but yeah addison is a guy that i really liked that honestly didn't watch a ton of um i watched a couple times but over the course of the season you didn't hear as much about him obviously you did because he was the reigning blitnikoff winner but in terms of a volume guy uh, you mainly just saw him off of you know caleb's highlights and stuff like that so I'll have some, a few different things to say about him, but yeah, I really like him a lot, uh, evidently being my wide receiver one. Yeah, um, and I'll get into my wide receiver one here. Um, Jaden Reed from Michigan State. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, like Brett said, this is a guy we've talked about already. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigbo, Ohio State. Uh, Texas kid at a rock wall, like you said, uh, just outside of Dallas. Um, watched this kid dismantle Rockwall's biggest rival or one of their biggest rivals. Um, and Allen High School is a senior uh, and then the state's in the state playoff game. Um, I got the privilege actually while I was watching the game, I streamed the game with a couple of buddies. And this guy's been dominant at every single level that he's played at, um, whether it was college, high school or college. I mean, this guy um, doesn't know anything but beating DBs. Um, the word I gave him was gifted because I think he is the most gifted receiver in this class. Um, you know, obviously didn't play this year a lot, got hurt in the Notre Dame game, um, came back for the Toledo game and played like two reps. So, um, you know, again, hamstrings are tough, especially with receivers, especially a guy like him that, um, you know, is needs to make the cuts and the routes that he runs. And that's tough on a hamstring. So um, missed a lot of the year. But the thing I'll point to before I get to the eval is Jamar chased that out all year. He didn't play a, a single snap of football between his sophomore year and getting drafted. So um, 
you know, I, I think everyone in the world is overthinking this guy. I have in all caps, do not overthink this guy. That's just, we don't need to overevaluate JSN. It's become popular to hate this kid for some reason when he's a quiet kid. He's a really good kid. Um, there was an interview last year on College Game Day, pre-recorded or whatever, but they played it on the game day for the Michigan game with him, Garrett Wilson, and, and Chris Olave. And they were talking about, you know, who's the best receiver? And both of them pointed, immediately pointed at Jack Smith and Jake and said, he's the best of the three of us. He is the best receiver of all three of us. And the numbers said so. Now, do I think he's the best? No, I think Garrett Wilson's the best. Talked about that last year. But um, this guy is really talented. Um, he's really savvy. Uh, he's the savviest receiver in this class. He knows every in and out of playing receiver. Um, you just look, you watch the tape and you go, yeah, that guy's a really good receiver. I don't have to watch anymore. You just, the way he plays the game, the way he carries himself on the field, the way he runs his routes. Um, you know, he's getting the, the slot only label, but I mean, Justin Jefferson got the slot only label because he only played the slot because you had Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall who are, <laughs> I mean, Jamar Chase is a lap built Z receiver. If there isn't one, show me one that isn't. Right. Like if he isn't one, show me one who is. Right. So the guy, the guy is the same thing with Jackson Smith and Jigba. He had Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson on the outside. The guys are the two rookie of the year candidates. that are leading the race. Right. So Garrett Wilson is going to win it. But those are two guys that are top 12 picks that were drafted really high for a reason because they're really good. So um, highest ceiling on the draft. If the injury checks out, I'm taking him top 10. Um, I know it's an unpopular thing to say right now, and I'm hoping that we come around on this kid in the next you know, month or so going to this draft, but, um, you know, highly, highly, highly regarded within everybody at the OSU program. Um, and I may get long winded here. It's just, that's kind of what I want to do with this kid. I think that I want to get all this stuff in that, you know, for some reason we've all, we've all lost sight of a lot of people in the draft community lost sight of their pegging him as wide receiver four outside of the first round. That's ridiculous. Um, I mean, like Brett even said, he's like, this is a guy who could be one for me. I used to play football this year. So, um, but a lot of people, unlike us, have lost sight of this, and I want to kind of get this on here. Um, he's got a quiet confidence about himself. He walks in the field and knows that he's a he's a dude and he's going to go one-on-one with anybody on the field, um, not afraid to attempt an acrobatic catch with one hand if he needs to. Um, he's, I think, the most natural mover at the position across the entire country, except maybe a guy who was at Ohio State this year, Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, but again, it's just, he's so... He just looks at he just looks so natural playing receiver, which you just don't see a lot of the time. Um, he broke Ohio State records as a sophomore with 95 catches and 1600 plus receiving yards, like you mentioned earlier, on a team that was stacked with ridiculous receiver talent. Not just Garrett and 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 Olave, but uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., who we're already talking about as a top five pick in another in, in 2024. Um, Julian Fleming is really good. Amika Ibuka, who was an All American this year, so. In a stacked receiver room, he stood out last year as the best, you know, statistically. Um, really good at catching through contact. Once the ball's in his hands, he's not dropping it. Um, you know, a couple drops here and there, just and receivers have drops sometimes. But um, not like it, not, he has a drop issue. But when the ball hits his hands, he's not he's not dropping the ball. He catches the ball really well through contact. Um, at 6'1", he has the ability to separate for contested balls and, and, and you know, compete for those. Um, smooth route runner, like I said, natural separator. I think he's the best route runner in this class, and I don't know if it's particularly close. I love Jordan Addison's routes, but from a pure route running perspective, JSN sinks his hips the best. He gets into his breaks the best. Um, he's really good against man coverage, which I noticed is, is one thing that's unique about him is teams tried to press him in the slot, and he very easily defeated it. Um, really fluid hips, uh, again, through his breaks, through the catch point, through his blocks, that kind of thing. Um, 
And in my opinion, this guy can concede at the outside, at the outside in the next level. Um, there's no reason he can't. If you're pointing to a point in his game that says, no, I'm going to say I, I disagree because who cares if he's going to run sub four? He's not going to run a four four. A four, if he runs 4-5, who cares? You know who didn't run a 4-5 in college is Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's been one of the most consistent receivers in the NFL the past decade, right? And he's an outside receiver. Granted, he's 6-3, but it's not like he's mossing guys. It's not his game. He's a route runner. So he's above six foot. He's a really good route runner. Um, you know, the, the reason he didn't get outside reps, <laughs> like I said, is because he's got a lab, a couple lab built outside receivers in Garrett, Olave, and Marvin Harrison Jr. So, um, you know, like I said, the media loves to hate this guy. Uh, and recency bias is a hell of a drug when we're coming to John Quentin Johnson. I really like the kid, but he's not one. He's not better than this kid. Um, the only really cons I have on him uh, is that he misses junior year with, with an injury. Um, he's an average at best blocker, which I mean, again, that's, that's technical. You don't find dominant blockers at receiver in college. So um, not a huge knock on him. Um, I guess speed, deep speed. He's not going to win a foot race to the end zone, but um you know, that said, go watch the Rose Bowl game. 15 catches for 347 yards, 23 yards a catch, three touchdowns, would have had four had he not fumbled, which, again, talked about ball security earlier. This is a guy, all three of our top five guys, or all three of our top three guys have had fumbling. Uh, Johnson in the in the Big 12, in the Pac-12 Big 12 championship game. Uh, Addison against, uh, I think, Notre Dame. And then uh, JSN in that... Uh, in that Rose Bowl last year against Clark Phillips, who it was one of the best corners in the country this year. So um, should have been four touchdowns for JSN, a couple more yards. But again, guy's really special. I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that he, I believe, is a wide receiver one from day one should his, his health check out. Um, I know this is getting long-winded, but like I said, just wanted to be the Cold State podcast to let it be known. We're a pro Jackson Smith and Jiggler podcast here. Um, but yeah, that that's – he's my one um, – it's close to having Addison one, to be honest with you. So, um, but yeah, JSN, a guy that I really liked and um, didn't want to let the lack of play this year overshadow the fact that he was the best receiver in the country last year. I agree. Yeah. I, I, mean, I love JSN's game. It's tough. Cause I think he's like the most stout, like build six, one, 200 is just like a such like prototypical NFL wide receiver. You know, you look at most of these guys, they're either, like taller and skinnier or they're shorter and lighter than what you think of NFL wide receiver. And with JSN, like you said, really the only knock on him is that he didn't play this year and that he wasn't in a lot of different alignments last year because of who he had around him. So for what he's been enabled to do in an offense, he's a wide receiver one plus, but it's like he was limited with what he was given his opportunities and then with injury didn't help and he lacked experience on the outside. So it's obviously going to be yeah. big for him to be healthy in, you know, rookie mini camp OTAs training camp, those preseason games where he's really going to have to develop his game on the outside, you know, use the sideline, get used to that. And I think he very easily could, I think he has all the skills to do that rather quickly. Uh, like I said, I think it's better starting him at the slot early on, and then moving him to the outside as the year progresses. But no doubt, I think he could end up being the best wide receiver in this class. You know, me putting him at three was more of a just, he didn't play this year, and it was tough to kind of project him with a wide variety of skill sets in this class. Yeah, and I, one thing I, I want to finish off with before I let you get to your one, I don't want to take up too much time, but 
I'll say this, the way in which he won in the slot, nobody else that I watched in the last, this whole year won at any sort of level at any alignment. If we're talking about winning at, at a particular alignment, hit JSN in the slot won at the highest level than anybody else did, um, which is why I think he can win on the outside. Just the level at which he competed and, and beat guys every single rep in the slot is why I think he's more than capable of, of succeeding on the outside. But I'll let you get to, to Addison. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, definitely dominant. And it was it was nice seeing him, Garrett, and Olave all in the same offense, all healthy. Uh, could have had it this year, but, you know, JSN with a hamstring, like you said. Those are tough injuries and tough to come back from, and you never really know it's healthy because, you, you know, it could feel perfectly fine. Then you go back, and, you know, when you're going full speed against competition, you feel it again, and you got to – you get re-injury, you got to sit out more, and it's tough. Um, but, yeah, my number one guy is USC's Jordan Addison. Six foot 175 out of Frederick, Maryland. Just a uh, about 30-minute drive from where I go every year to visit basically all my family. Um, you know, 30 minutes um, west of Frederick. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, reigning Blitnikoff, he has all the accolades. I mean, he has all the if you look at like like a trophy case or like a shelf of all these guys accolades and you know stats if there were like trophies for certain things he would have the most loaded trophy case um you know you look at his 2022 stats not a ton of volume 59 catches uh 875 yards eight touchdowns he was productive with the ball in his hands almost 15 yards a catch um not going to try not to repeat a lot that you said, um, but yeah, he's very shifty. He finds seemingly every hole in the defense. He runs every route. Uh, while, yeah, I do think JSN is the best route runner and like is a true NFL level route runner. thing I like about Addison is he runs every route. You know, being in the slot, JSN was, I, he didn't run every single route just because, you know, they had two guys on the outside running the routes he wasn't. But JSN truly runs every route. He can be in any alignment, I think. And while he did, while he is smaller and doesn't have like burner top level speed, I think his short area quickness, his shiftiness, his ability to find the open field and accelerate is um, a gift for him. Um, one of his biggest strengths, and I think that's what a lot of teams are going to be looking at. I haven't projected kind of in the 10 to 18 range because. He's obviously not the biggest guy, uh, being only 175 at six foot, a little slender. Um, and other than that, and that a couple guys are faster than him in this class, there's really not much. He's really complete, well-rounded game all around. Um, I liked what I saw from him, like I said. Didn't watch a ton of him. I wanted to focus more on the guys that I was trying to fit into my top five and stuff like that. But he's just dynamic, you know, before the catch, after the catch. He really does what you want when you watch a wide receiver on the outside or a wide receiver, maybe a little bit undersized, uh, not height-wise, but weight-wise. You know, if I find myself a lot of the times when I just watch NFL, random NFL games for fun, just on TV, whether they're, a, you know, conference championship, NFL game, whatever, what you have. I mean, I just, I don't think there's anybody more fun to watch, like zone in on while watching a game than Addison just because of his suddenness. It kind of reminds me of Tank Dell in a way that he's a bigger Tank Dell going against better competition, obviously, but they do have some similarities in their game. I don't think he 
is as I mean, they are really honestly have a lot of similarities. I don't think tanks as high IQ. Um, I also, I mean, obviously tank, you know, Clayton tune is not Caleb Williams. So I think Addison had the benefit of playing with a lot better players, but he also going against better competition, but nonetheless, I have Addison at one because I just think he's the most well-rounded. He's complete. He can be in any alignment. You know, he gives you whatever you want. He can, you know, pre-snap motions, stuff like that. Uh, I didn't really see, I, w- I want to see that from him at the next level, uh, him being used a lot pre-snap. But yeah, he basically covered everything uh, that I had on him. And I was just impressed with how shifty he was, like I said. Ideal fits. Uh, I had to pin him to the Ravens because he's from Maryland. And they're kind of looking for a guy like that. Uh, you know, not a huge deep threat, but more of an underneath shifty guy that can run every route, um, you know, across from Rashad Bateman, who's more of a deep threat, a yak guy, a guy that can take the top off. Um, so I think they would complement each other really well while they are similar size. Um, then I also pinned them to the Browns and the Packers, both teams that, you know, have deep threats or have bigger guys and Amari Cooper and Christian Watson. But I just like, I think these three teams being the Ravens, Browns and Packers could all benefit more so than other teams from Addison being on their team. And I just think while, you know, Draft order-wise, the Browns don't have a first. The Packers are picking, what, four? No, eight? Around there? Mm, Packers? Yeah. Packers are picking 15. They are? Yeah. Locked in at 15. So, I mean, the Browns have a first. Packers at 15. Ravens in the early 20s. Likely they're going to have to move to get him, but I just like those spots for him and... I mean, there's so many teams that could use him, but I just like those spots the most. Could see him in Houston. Um, that's where I think wide receiver one's going to go is at 12. Just looking at the class. Um, maybe a little earlier. Um, I have to look at the order right now to, to tell you, but um, don't think Vegas will take one at seven. Don't think Carolina will take one at where they eight or nine. Um, don't think it, Atlanta could take Atlanta could take Addison actually at nine or eight, whatever they're at. It's eight or nine they're at, I think. Um, 10 yeah, is Philly. I don't think they need a receiver, but um, yeah, I mean, around there, the 8th the eight to 12 range is where I think the first receiver is going to go, unless it's JSN and he goes earlier. It's the only guy, just if an NFL team goes, I don't care, Jamar Chase didn't play either one, you know what I mean? That's the only guy I'd say that goes top higher than 8 or 7, right? But um, no, this is a really fun class. Um, it went to the top, but I mean, this class is so different, um, kind of across the board, just player to player. Um, it's really fun. It's a really deep class. I, you know, we talked about negatives for a lot of guys, and I tried to end off on positives with most of the guys I talked about. Um, there's a lot of guys in this class that are going to be really good wide receiver twos eventually. Um, everybody in my next up, the top five of of Dell, Tillman, Downs, Rice, and Mims, I think are all guys who can be really good receiver twos one day. Um, just it's going to take a few years for them. Um, again, there, there's a lot of upside in this class. Again, I didn't even watch Xavier Hutchins into Brett Hedden's top five. Um, it's a unique class, and and um, I had a really good time watching these guys. Um, obviously, it was easy to watch guys like Jordan Addison, um, <laughs> Jackson, and Jay with Quentin Johnson because they're really good. But um, really found some some of my guys in this class for sure, and um, in the, in this group, and uh, gonna be a really good class, I think, depth wise. Um, I guess like I said, missing maybe the elite number one, but uh, really good class, really fun class, really unique. So 
um, had a really good time getting this getting this done, and hopefully we'll get a little bit of an update. Not this not this long winded, but some sort of an update um, closer to April. Yeah, for sure. I think basically covered it all. Um, you know, whether it was you or me, we talked about the top dozen guys that could go in this draft. And while it could shift, I think, you know, their overall strengths and weaknesses and traits aren't going to change. It's going to be, where's their stock at? What are they, you know, what are their measurables? But there's no on-field production between now and then. So at the end of the day, it's going to be who values on-field production and who values measurables and stats. And I mean, it seems like more times than not that we've seen teams take guys higher because of their measurables. And you look at Henry Ruggs, going above C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. I mean, that was a crime, but he broke or he had, ran a really fast 40. So that's why he was a freak athlete, and they just took him because of mainly of that. I mean, Judy obviously was on the same team as him, had better stats, and was taken after, which in hindsight is like, why would you not take him first? And C.D. Lamb being an OU obviously kind of was the lead guy his senior or his final year there. So – it just depends what teams want. It's kind of always, it seems like it's always around that 10 is when the wide receivers start being taken with the exception of Jamar. Um, but yeah, wow. I mean, but those, but those two guys yeah. are special. It's just, you're looking around 10, eight to, you know, eight and on kind of seeing what teams want in the guy. And that'll kind of key in on what more so what receivers they want rather than, you know, what were the best guys? Cause like you said, JSN didn't even play this past year, but you know if teams don't care, then they're going to look at stats against competition, and he's going to be at the top. I mean, no one else in the country had production against competition like he did last year, considering there were two guys outside of him that were incredible. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to talking about it, doing these weekly rankings. Uh, you know, this is our first week. We got eight in a row, I believe, uh, nine in a row. And so I'm looking forward to yeah. talking about all the positions. We're going to work through it. Some weeks we're going to talk about multiple, position, multiple positions. But I'm excited. Next week we got corners on January 20th, next Friday. And corners definitely a great class this year. Um, you know, similar to wide receiver in that it's deep. Maybe not. Maybe doesn't have that guy. Uh, but it's very deep, and it should be fun to see how those rankings shake out. Yeah, I think this is the strength. This is the best position group in the whole class, I think, is the corners. Um, I think there's like five or six first-round quality corners in this class, so we're excited to get into it. Um, and, yeah, looking forward to next Friday. Got, got a lot of corners to watch between now and Friday, but I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, we'll see you all on Tuesday for our normal episode. See you guys then.